0: This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. When you need your bank, Capital One is right in the palm of your hand. So you can check your balance, deposit checks, pay bills and transfer money from your phone with a top-rated app. And when you're done banking, put it back in your pocket. A banking experience built around you and your life. This is Banking Reimagined. Get started online anytime. What's in your wallet? Capital One, N.A. Member FDIC. This is a BBC Radio 4 Archive edition of Alistair Cook's Letter from America. Good morning. Every so often, almost always out west, more often than not in California, there appears a self-proclaimed LEADER with a capital L. In bad times, they are political mavericks who deplore the regular processes of democracy from the President and the Congress on down and offer simple, dramatic solutions. In the Great Depression of the 1930s, there appeared two men whose following in California swelled to about, I should think, half a million. There was the radical novelist Upton Sinclair. His slogan was... Epic End Poverty in California. And he was going to do it with direct gifts taken out of the public treasury for everybody with an income below the government's defined poverty level. There was a physician, Dr. Townsend, whose plan was to give $100 a month to everybody in the country over 60 Now, however oversimple and cockeyed such plans might be, they did their part in spurring Roosevelt's government to create the Social Security system. Of course, the largest protest against what we then called the system and would now call the establishment came from the young of all classes who were disillusioned with the collapse of Wall Street and the apparent betrayal of the bankers and big business. They turn to communism, or fellow traveling variations. But in good times, there appear religious leaders, equally impatient with the conventional faiths, founders of their own religious cults, and their mission is always to deplore the fruits of prosperity, materialism, pleasure-seeking, and to call sinners to repentance. The most famous of these in the heyday of the Coolidge Prosperity was a lady named Amy Semple McPherson. She was a very handsome woman proclaiming something called the Four Square Gospel. She had her own temple in Los Angeles and put on a dazzlingly theatrical show with scenery representing the ocean of love and occasionally, to illustrate the fate of non-believers on the outside, a corner of hell with smoke from the brimstone and flashing red lights. She gathered an enormous flock of disciples who gave her their all by way of contributions and devotion, and for a year or two the Angelus Temple had congregations as large as the outdoor crowd that flocks around St. Peter's. I remember once attending one of her services as a tourist, and I suspected that possibly half the audience had come out to receive not so much the four-square gospel faith as to gaze on and drool over the very pretty chorus of lissom young women who went with her everywhere as Amy's angels. One day in 1926, Mrs. McPherson vanished from a bathing beach in Southern California, and her flock descended on the beach the next day and through their tears gazed out on the cruel sea and held a memorial service for the drowned leader at least one of her women followers walked into the pacific ocean to her death i think about a month later mrs mcpherson reappeared bedraggled and forlorn said she'd been kidnapped and whisked off to mexico and now had escaped to the great rejoicing of her newly assembled flock. It came out that she had not been kidnapped. She'd been off keeping a tryst with some unidentified gentleman in Mexico. After that, she lost her hold and retreated into American folklore. We've had nobody quite like Amy since, though during the Reagan prosperity, several gurus appeared out west either Indians of India or Americans who had taken Muslim names, the most recent being an Indian who colonized a remote settlement in Oregon, gathered around him a flock who had left house and home and turned over all their worldly goods to the maintenance of the guru's faith and the maintenance of his very large fleet of Rolls Royces. He was thrown out of the country, went back home, and died, I think, late last year. Now, suddenly, there has reappeared a type familiar in the late 1940s and 50s when we were all depressed by the threat of the atomic bomb, and our cities were putting up signs with arrows pointing to the basements of public buildings, the bowels of the underground, to public bomb shelter. There are still one or two frayed, peeling, orange signs, in Radio City. This time, it's another lady, and I must say, every bit as comely as Amy Semple McPherson. Her husband calls himself simply Ed Francis, but she calls herself Elizabeth Clare Prophet, P.H. She and her first husband did apparently have the surname Prophet, and together they founded their religion. In 1973, they called it the Church Universal and Triumphant. He's dead, but the cult goes on from strength to strength. And in the past week, between two and 3,000 followers have left their homes, closed their bank accounts, gathered carloads or truckloads of personal possessions and food, and descended in the wake of Mrs. Prophet, or Guru Ma, as she's formerly known. To her followers, she's simply... Mother. They're all settling on 30,000 acres purchased by the church in a beautiful valley in the Rockies in Livingston, Montana. The church has built steel and concrete shelters, and many of the incoming refugees have paid down hefty sums as rent or purchase price on one of the underground bunkers. Refugees from what? From us our world, specifically from the coming nuclear war. Mother says that the turbulent events of the past four or five months in Europe, the decline or abandonment of communism, the new relationships with the Soviet Union, by no means have reduced the chances of nuclear annihilation. On the contrary, she says, the Soviets are following a crafty plan to lull the United States into relief and complacency. This month and next, she thinks, are full of menace, and she's picked out April the 23rd, quite incidentally, St. George's Day, as the possible doomsday. If the prophecy seems harebrained, the precautions designed to meet it are extremely practical. The underground shelters are already piled, stockpiled, with every sort of dried food, with a store of medical supplies, generators, household utensils, heating system, and computers. Off in the mountains close by is a town of some 12,000 people, waiting and watching, not for doomsday, but for the members of the church, universal and triumphant, to go underground and start to live in the shelters, It seems that that's the only time the law, our secular law, can take effect. The church has been buying and building property on its 30,000 acres for the past nine years. That's perfectly regular, and nobody can stop them building underground shelters. But the lawyer for the county says that once anybody descends and actually spends a day and a night in the shelters he can call in the county health officer, known as the county sanitarian, and he can then testify if the place is equipped with standard septic tanks and sanitation. The sanitarian has been there and looked things over, and so far, he says, neither facility is in place. By the way, these uh, refugee followers of Mother are not all Americans. There are Canadians and people from South America and Europe. Most of them, I gather, if not all, have wound up their lives in their old country and brought all their possessions and are digging in for the duration. And how long is that? We've heard all our lives about prophets predicting the date of the end of the world. It's a doctrine, a a foresight, common to many religions, though I gather the notion that a chosen people will survive the apocalypse is strictly Western. The Jews for many centuries have derided the idea. As for picking the date of the end of all of us, we hear about the choice of some self-styled prophet or cult, the date comes and goes, we're all intact, we laugh and never seemed to follow up the Prophets and their humiliation. Well, I can't guess what Mrs. Prophet, Guru Ma, mother, will do if we come safely through the 23rd of April. But if she runs true to type, she'll pick another date. The United States has sprouted what are known as apocalyptics for certainly 150 years or more, in the 1830s, a guru named Miller confidently predicted the end for the 22nd of October, 1843. When nothing happened, he picked another date in 1844. Again we came through, and Miller's tribe was disheartened and sufficiently divided to split up into two separate faiths, one of which turned into Seventh-day Adventists. Same thing happened with a man named Russell, who called doomsday for 1914. His followers became even more devoted when the guns of August thundered and the First World War was underway. But came 1918 and peace, and most of the world still there. Dr. Russell's flock was disappointed, as true believers, but no doubt secretly relieved, as human beings. Nevertheless, they broke with him and incorporated a new faith under a new name. They call themselves Jehovah's Witnesses. At the moment, the sudden ringing of Mother's alarm bell coincides with another session of the men of Geneva, the delegates, most prominently the Russians and the Americans, who for years and years have sat studying and arguing and preparing the groundwork for the next meeting of the superpowers on arms control. While most of us, I think, except Mrs. Prophet, have come to believe that the threat of nuclear war has faded dramatically and that the prospect of a direct attack either by the Soviet Union or the United States is now negligible, the word from Geneva is that those arms control experts perceive a growing nuclear threat from the middle powers that already have a nuclear bomb or are known to be equipped to make it or are importing suspicious amounts of plutonium for, they say, peaceful purposes. That has become the main private preoccupation of the men of Geneva. Meanwhile, if we do emerge from St. George's Day, I shall keep you posted on the future, or should I say the adjusted prophecies of Mrs. Prophet. That was Letter from America with Alastair Cook. You can find more Letters from America and thousands of other programmes for curious minds on the Radio 4 website.